You're listening to the Library Pros Podcast with Chris and Bob, a techie librarian and a computer IT guy discussing libraries, technology, and all things this side of the reference desk. Thanks, Carl. Hi, and welcome to a special installment of the Library Pros Podcast. I'm Chris, and Bob, unfortunately, couldn't join us today because we are at the New York Library Association Annual Trade Show and Conference in Saratoga, New York. In this episode, we're going to be having some old friends join the podcast and stop in, including Jill Hurst-Wall and Melissa and Cameron Tidd and Baron Angel. So sit back, relax, and catch up with some old friends from the past. Okay, we are back at the Nyla Conference, and a friend of the podcast is here, Jill Hurstwall. Nice to see you. It's good nice to, to see hear you, you too. Yeah. yeah, it's great to be. It's great to see you again. <laughs> it's been 2019. 2019, yeah. No, wait. Were you at Nyla last year? I was, but I didn't podcast. Okay. It was just too crazy, and there was too much going on, yeah. and space didn't really lend itself towards it. Yeah. So last year was in uh, Syracuse. Syracuse, yeah. And a nice little convention center. I shouldn't call it little, but it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not a lot of small spaces for doing something like this. There really wasn't. Yeah. And it was in the end of the horrible COVID time. I even remember I got up there a day early and I was looking for the place. And the day before it was a uh, vaccine. Clinic. Yeah. 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 yeah it's like, oh, is this where we're going to be? But it's a vaccine clinic. <laughs> crazy times, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. crazy. So what's up? That is such a loaded question. Try, try <laughs> something different. <laughs> How's retirement? I am so not retired. What happened? What's going on? So I retired. I announced my retirement from Syracuse University in August of 2019 to retire in the summer of 2020. So I announced a year, basically a year early, mm-hmm. give everyone time to do whatever. And then the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, because I'd seen other people retire, retirement is like, it's a thing. Like there's a party, there's like goodbyes, you know, you're cleaning out your office, there's people around. I cleaned out my office with no one around except for uh, the maintenance person who would stop by every once in a while to say hi. Mm-hmm. We were all masked. Um, there was no like, you know, big party. There was something on Zoom. Right. And so it was kind of like, oh, um, it's almost like you missed out on something, I, right? I missed out on like the thing. Yeah. But I had a, a consulting practice. I you know, ramped back up uh, during the pandemic. I started doing some other things. Uh, board activities continued. Consulting work came my way. I started doing anti-racism work and, uh, and some you know, other things and helping friends and family. And so I have failed at retirement. There are some days where I'm as busy as I was when I was quote unquote working full time. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, so many people say that they, I retired and I'm busier now than I ever was. And I guess it's because it's, it's kind of like water just coming in after you, how do I explain it? It's like the dam broke and that dam was work, right? So now all the other stuff comes in and allows you to explore the other things that you were putting off or maybe you didn't, you couldn't do because you were at work or the things right. that happen during a weekday that you just can't do on a weekend. And 
I think some volunteer opportunities are easier for people who are quote unquote retired because your time is more flexible. Right. There's also, um, think of friends and family who, you know, we're all getting older. And so someone has to go to um, rehab appointment and they can't, you know, for their hip and they can't drive. Mm-hmm. And so there's these things that kind of crop up that you can do because you're not working eight to five anymore. You mm-hmm. quote unquote have free time. Right. And so you can help people, you know, get to a hair appointment or get to a doctor's appointment or so. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of did that too. Cause before I started in library land, I worked in the courts and I left to take care of my daughter who was an infant at the time. So I, and the big joke at work was, Oh, enjoy your retirement. And <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not really like that because when you're taking care of a kid, it's, it's a full-time job right. too, but there's something to be said for having time off during the week. Cause I would just work nights. I was working nights at, at the Longwood public library. And, um, it, there are things that you don't realize that you can do during the week that you just can't do on the weekends. You know, during the week, during the day, in that nine to five time frame, like one thing is um, getting your car fixed. Oh yeah. You know, it, it, it getting your car fixed or doctor's appointments or you know any stuff like that. So, it, and then you realize when you, when, at least for me, when I went back full time, like, oh, how am I going to do this now? So I, I completely see where you're coming from. Yeah. And some of those things become more relaxing. So getting your car fixed when you're working full time is drop it off, somehow get to work, you know, get back. It's all just fast, fast, fast. And now it's like, huh, getting my car fixed. Well, if it's going to take an hour, can I just go to the cafe nearby right. and just hang out? Right. And you're not like, oh, I hope he's done in a half hour. I have to get to work. Yeah. You know, the whole hustle and bustle thing. Yeah. Yeah, retirement's retirement can be hard, right? <laughs> <laughs> but there are some people, like my spouse, who, when he retired, he retired, and uh, and he's he's he he does things, uh, but it's not the same pace that I have, and so well, it, that's a personality thing too. I it, think it right? works out. We it works out well together. Yeah. So, what are you doing with Library Land now that you're retired? I'm still board president for. Um, Onondaga County Public Library's Board of Trustees. Oh, that's cool. And this is my third year as board president. I will tell anybody who wants to listen that being board president is not um, not easy. There's work to be done as board president. And part of that um, work for me over the last couple of years has been learning more about being board president. And so, uh, <laughs> on the job training, right? On the job. Well, yeah. And so, taking webinars, the um, trustee book club, trustee handbook book club that started last fall, uh, done by Nyla and uh, Mid Hudson Library System, cooperated on a, uh, a, this book club. And it's been wonderful. And they, they're still doing things. The one last week was. Um, had a speaker on parliamentary procedures, like how to run a meeting using parliamentary procedures. And I was like, oh, I actually run a meeting every month and I use parliamentary procedures in quotation marks, but clearly I don't understand this stuff. And it was so helpful. The speaker was so, so good. And so part of being board president 
for me has been learning all the things I didn't know and that I need to know in order to be board president. Filling in those blanks, right? Filling in the blanks. Yeah. Um, you know, getting the other trustees involved in things or, at, or, um, and we're all busy uh, with work and stuff, um, you know, asking for their advice, you know, keeping them in the loop, you know, talking to my director, talking to other uh, folks in library land and just kind of absorbing information. Uh, different probably for me because I am a librarian than a library director, uh, excuse me, a, a board president who's not a librarian. You know, how they do this might be different, but, you know, I like to kind of keep up on what's happening in libraries. And so, yeah, it's, it's work. So it's Christian Jabeski still there, right? Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. got some kind of energy, huh? A lot of energy, yeah. Yeah, he came from down by us. Yep. Uh, he was in- Yonkers. Yonkers, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and, you know, it was really cool that he made that kind of choice to change, because that's a big lifestyle change coming from Yonkers, going going up to Agen- Onondaga, sorry. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. <laughs> it is. And um, having lived uh, upstate since- 1975, there are, um, it's always interesting to watch people move to upstate because not everyone understands the trans, understands the difference between upstate and downstate or upstate and Boston or DC or whatever. And it's a different pace. It's a different pace. It's a different, uh, it, uh, it's a small community. It's, Syracuse is a, is a nice size area uh, in terms of population, but that kind of, it's a different in who knows who, you know, the backgrounds, the histories, and you're suddenly in a community where people know each other or people know someone that you know, or, you know, your family ha- has always worked at that business. And it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's, uh, it, it really is. And, you know, being somebody coming from downstate, um, coming up, going to like the Adirondacks for vacation, you know, I understand kind of the, the, how do I put this? Kind of like the flow of things yeah. a little bit. And um, it's, it for me, it's relaxing. Like when we went to Syracuse, it was like, wow, this is, it's a city, but it's, it's got this, this vibe, this chill vibe to it, you know, or it's not like you're in Manhattan and you have to keep moving. Otherwise the crowd is just going to carry you away, you know, or even in like Brooklyn or Queens or something like that, yeah. where you feel like, you're just another fish in the school of fish and you have to follow, Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's just such a different vibe. Like we were just joking just even being here, press the button to, to cross the street and the light just changes like within five seconds. It's not like, oh, that <laughs> in the city, you press that button if there is one. And it's like, yeah, we'll take it under advisement. <laughs> You're like, yeah, no, no, no. We have our light cycle. It's rush hour and yeah, nice try. So and it's yeah. it's that's always for me for my colleagues it's like a culture shock but for me it's like ah it's it, it it's it's hard to explain but it's just so nice to have a different vibe you know yeah yeah away from the hustle and bustle not that I'm in Manhattan a lot I'm not but you know on the island it's it can be like that too yeah the, uh, I've been out to different parts of Long Island and it really is once you get away from the city and. I don't know the the cities in in order, but you now you get past Jamaica and you get out there. It's just it's different. It's mm-hmm. like you're in the, in the country. Well, it, it, not so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Rush hour used to start at five. Now it starts at three. 
when I lived in Corning, uh, I had a, a, a temporary employee who worked in the library, corporate library. And uh, he took vacation one week. He was from California. And he said, he came in to get his paycheck. He's like looking at his watch. He goes, um, uh, I have to like leave because I have a friend in town and I want to take him to see Rush, Rush Minute. Not Rush Hour. Oh, but, Rush Minute. But oh. Rush Minute. Oh, that's funny. He goes, you know, I, I want him to see what Rush Minute is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the big joke is too, like we we came up here and it was around Rush Hour. It's like, this is what Rush Hour in Saratoga is like. Okay, uh, I can do. I can deal with this. Yeah. And I've had friends that relocated. Well, one friend relocated to Utica years and years ago. I think, God, thirty years ago, and she came home to visit, and she was going back up, and it was like a Tuesday morning at like six in the morning, and it was bumper to bumper traffic, and she took out her phone, put it on Facebook, and said, "How do people live like this and do this every day?" <laughs> and I just kind of laughed at her because it's just, when you live it, it's just another thing to do, you know. Yeah. But yeah. I'm lucky now. I only live 10 minutes from, from work and I go against the, the traffic. Oh, so. yeah. It's so nice to go in the other direction and see everybody stacked up on the other other side. I know that if I'm running late, I still can squeeze it out and still get to work on time. But it's, you know, that's suburban and, and urban living versus rural and, you know, or let's put it this way, non-New York metro suburban living. <laughs> Because even if like if you're in Metro Boston, you know, once you get past the Austin Brighton tolls, it opens up, you know, or, or you go south, you know, in the Southeast Expressway, once you go past Braintree, it opens yep. up. Or if you go north, once you're north of like Medford Malden, it opens up. Yeah. So. I remember being in Boston for um, uh, a mini conference and we, uh, someone was riding with me and we left. He's like, we have to get past this exit. Yep. Like by this time we have to be past this. It's like I no 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> yep, yep. It's probably let's see if you're going on the Mass Pike. It's probably Prudential, or it's Austin Brighton, which now there's no toll booths anymore. It's yeah. all Easy Pass. Yeah. But again, if you're going south, it's Furnace Brook. It's uh, you know if you're going north, it's Memorial Drive, Storo Drive. So yeah, there's always these points, and once you get past there, it opens up. Yeah. Or if you get past like Route 128, that's another big oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So it's it, it's they call it the circumferential highway because it goes around Boston, and then there's 495, which yes. which goes around even further out, more like by Natick, I think. Wow, we're really going local now for our friends in Massachusetts, huh? <laughs> it's pretty funny. Well, come to Syracuse, people, and um, enjoy the 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 um, short rush hour in Syracuse. We do have traffic. Um, it's not like. New York or Boston or anything else, there's a little bit of traffic. We it's had cool. um, President Biden came back yes. to Syracuse, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a there was a traffic jam. Um, I think when he was going back to the airport, and I actually don't know. I'm being honest. If the traffic jam was because of the rolling roadblocks that they do when the president's moving through. Mm-hmm. Or if it was people on the other side of the highway stopping to gawk at the president <laughs> going through. I think it's the latter. But um, but yeah. It's, yeah, it's something else. And that's, that's great news for Syracuse too. So we have a um, mega million whatever dollar. It's like billions, isn't it? I think it is billions. I didn't want to yeah. like, hype it if it's not billions. <laughs> but... Um, 
a chip factory is coming to the Syracuse area, uh, the north part of the county. It will employ, uh, not right away, but in 10 years, like 20,000 people at that plant, and they associate businesses that will crop up around it to support it. It will bring in um, high-tech workers, so all the colleges and universities are getting involved. The City school, uh, Syracuse City schools are getting involved in training people. 20% of the workforce will be unskilled. Uh, it will cause um, growth in the county like it hasn't seen in a long time. And housing prices were already going up in a way that was weird mm-hmm. um, because of there hasn't been a lot of new, massive new housing. This will make it even worse. Like housing has to start being built now for this influx of yeah. people. And some of it needs to be affordable housing. Correct. The other thing I'll say, uh, since this is a library podcast, is, um, and I say this just as a person, not through any affiliation, um, but it'll be interesting to see the impact that this has on libraries in the county in terms of more property taxes. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. Uh, how does that impact libraries across the county? But also, does this somehow mean that maybe there will be new libraries in the county? Exactly. I have no idea. Will there be new towns? Or will small rural towns be built up to the point where they become suburban and there'll be a need for a library right. but, and there'll be extra tax revenue? Yeah. Yes. You're right. So w- could could an existing library suddenly have a, a new branch? Mm-hmm. No idea. So this is... It's an exciting time. It's exciting. Um, and it's it's one of these things that was like, there's someone who's coming. We think this a business is coming. We can't name who they are, you know, all this blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly they announced it and it's just been like probably three weeks of just like... It's madness. a whirlwind, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I want to ask you... Sure. What's the best thing about this conference? Selfishly, I w- we were really impressed with the turnout for the presentation that we had. It was standing room only, you know, people were spilled out into the hallway. So that was- What'd you do? Technology update for trends in 2023. Very good. So it was it was very nice to see that we had a high pre-registration and it was standing room only. Very so cool. it means something must have resonated with an, a bunch of people here, yeah. our colleagues around New York State. Technology has gotten more important since 2020. Yeah, Absolutely. And just being back in Saratoga, you know, that's always a good thing. It's familiar. We all love this town. Yeah. We love the convention center. And some of the presentations have been really, really solid. A lot yeah. of good stuff. I'm going to go to the one about marketing today because you can never learn enough about marketing. And the one thing about libraries, and I said this a billion times on the podcast, we all do the same thing, but we do it with a different nuance. We all have different flavors. And oh, yeah. nobody, nobody's one flavor is better than the other. And I always say, look, if you sit in a presentation and it stinks, but you got one tiny nugget from it, it's like that ink spot on a napkin. It will spread and it starts the conversation and it starts the brainstorming to say, okay, that presentation was terrible, but they talked about this one thing and how can we make what they were doing that we disagree with work for our building and for our population? Because every population here on Long Island, down on Long Island, you can have three different districts that abut each other and three different libraries do things completely different because those populations in those districts are completely different, even though they, they're right against each other. Yeah. So 
the beauty of this conference, and I think most conferences, is if you step away with one small piece, even from somebody who was a horrible presenter, but the material was solid, that's the goal. The goal is to learn from our colleagues and to, well, the networking is always great too. Yes. Like, yeah, I would never have met you if we didn't have Nyla, right? Right. And, um, and being able to talk to our colleagues in Buffalo, up in Plattsburgh, up in Messina, Watertown, Albany, you know, Amsterdam, yep. Rochester, Syracuse, you know, or, you know, down lower, you know, in Sullivan County or, you know, lower Hudson, uh, or, you know, even New York City. I mean, New York public is here, yep. you know, and they're always great to talk to because they are like the, um, the icebreaker of <laughs> libraries because everyone around the world knows about it, New yeah. York public, and we have them in our backyard. So I think the the networking is is probably it's the most fun. I can tell you that. But there's more than just fun to this. There's also a learning component. I really enjoyed the um, keynote yesterday. Let me rip out my notes. Uh, no, she <laughs> can I do this without? She's a lot of reaching noise? into her bag and pulling out the Jill Hurst Wall notebook. Yeah. So. Um, First of all, because I want to like get her name right. So the the keynote was Courtney Harge, I believe is how you pronounce it. H A R G E. And she is director of an organization called Of By For All. So if you think, you know, of the people, by the people, for the people, but mm-hmm. of by for all. Great website, uh social media presence. And they're doing work to help organizations think about the changes they need to do in order to uh, really help their communities, to have programs that are imagined, that are of the community, that are done by the community, done in, in conjunction with the community, and done for the community. They do work with libraries, other groups. I think she said working with 68 organizations right now in seven countries. And it was just a phenomenal presentation. Uh, you, if you're on Twitter, you can look at the hashtag for Nyla uh, 2022. You'll probably see some images and some things out there. Talk about, you know, thinking for the future. So they have a process that they work people through that's a 12-month process. And it's not rocket science, but it's methodical. In terms of you want to do something with this community, okay, so there's some steps you need to go through. And and a lot of that is thinking and talking with your community and learning about them and inviting them in and kind of building that relationship before you actually create the proposal. Yes, I think define the, define what's what you need to do first before you move forward. Yeah. And I think creating the proposal is step four. And a bunch of us after is like, yes, you can't just rush in, hand this community a proposal that you don't know. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I want to work with you and here's my proposal. It's like, no, we have to build a relationship first. We have to actually understand what you need. And then together, let's build a proposal that fits your needs, not what I think your needs are. Correct. And that goes in with uh, a session I went to today which was on reinventing ethnic library services. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they talked about was getting out into the community, um, 
building partnerships, actually, and they had great examples of these are the things that these communities needed during the pandemic. And this is how we delivered that information or those services or those trainings, uh, having marketing that was bilingual marketing, mm-hmm. you know, having people from the community deliver trainings or deliver whatever. And it was just so that both of those kind of go together in terms of we can't, as libraries, just think that we know it all. Mm-hmm. We can't just rush ahead. Um, it's It takes time to understand your community and then to invite them in. Um, Courtney had a great comment early in her presentation where she said, they don't need you. Your community, those communities out there, they're fine on their own. They don't need you, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't go to them and go, you need us. They're fine. So you need to work with them to figure out, you know, what you can do that they actually need because – Right now, they don't see the need of coming into the library. Right, and that's that's the struggle been the struggle forever. Yeah, but and the idea is how do you attract people and, and people of color and you know your entire community right. and and what are the different ways to do that? And sometimes it's a bilingual newsletter right. or bilingual posts on Facebook, Twitter, all that other yeah. stuff. Oh. And you have to figure out who's in your community. Yeah, and yeah. some people don't do some libraries don't do that. No. And then having the webinars, the Facebook lives or whatever that are what they want, not, not what you want to give them. Or playing the guessing game. I wonder what kind of programming we can do. Let's try this, throw it against the wall and see if it sticks. No, have a conversation with your community. Yeah. And that conversation can start at the reference desk if they're coming into the building. But libraries are really good at reaching those people. They're really not good at reaching the people who don't come in. And that's the, that is the missing piece of marketing that I haven't seen addressed well in any conference. Mm-hmm. You know, we can talk about marketing. Oh, we're on Facebook. Oh, we're here. We're there. How do we show that libraries, the definition of library? Yes, it's, yes, we still have books, but a library, the definition needs to change to a community. It is a community center for people to get services, have a makerspace, learn about technology. Yes, sit down and have read a book have, you know, interesting and meaningful programming, including book discussions and bilingual training and citizenship and passports and all the services that people are like, wait, the library does that? Yeah. I can't tell you how many times in a day we hear that. Wait, the library does that? Because there's the perpetuating stereotype that it's a reference desk, a woman with glasses on a chain with the bun (laughs) and she's wearing a shawl and she's looking at you and shushing you. And it's perpetuated in the media and advertising and everything else and in movies and everywhere. Mm. And, you know, I have not seen a librarian like that in my career, maybe one or two, but I mean, that's, you're talking about a 1950s perspective. Oh yeah. You know? So the talking about networking, I sat next to a woman yesterday at the keynote who got up and asked a question. And then I got later help answer her question, but it was, her question was, I am in this community. I'm a new librarian in this this particular community. How do I get to know the black and Hispanic members of the community who don't come into the library? And so the one suggestion I made was walk around the community. Sit and observe. Sit and observe or walk and observe or find different eateries, you know, just, and the idea was, uh, as Courtney said, you don't 
And she gave her also some great examples. But you can't just barge into that community and say, hey, I'm here. You have to kind of, you know, kind of be seen, you know. Take a listening tour. Listening tour, walk around. You know, you're not going to get invited to the barbecue right away. You got to work your way up into getting invited into the space. Mm -hmm. Um, But being seen. And that woman and I afterwards sat for quite a while, you know, as the workers are like picking up stuff. Yeah, around you, right? Yeah, Yeah. we're still sitting there. It was one of those connections where at the end, we actually exchanged contact information because I don't live that far from her. And so now I found another library buddy. Can never have enough of them, right? No. no. And that's why I think this conference is important because somebody who lives close to you, you didn't even know. I didn't know. And if I can help her figure out her community, that's great. Exactly. What's really good too, I mean, is one of the things that we, the pandemic gave us that was a good thing is the ability to have that video chat. So um, so we had a a woman who was from Tioga, I think. She's like, oh, we were talking about, you know, technology and stuff. I, I gave her my card and said, these are some of the things that we're doing. If you want, we can do a Zoom session and I can walk you around and show you the different things that we're doing in our library. And then maybe you can do the same with us and we can bounce ideas off each other. We would never have met if it wasn't for the conference or her deciding to go to a different presentation other than our presentation. But we hit it off right away. And she was like jumping up and down in her chair during the presentation. So You remind me of, um, do you know Paul Signorelli? Sure. So T is for training. T is for training. Paul Signorelli had friends that he was doing brunch with before the pandemic. It turned into a Zoom brunch. And then it turned into a Zoom brunch with people who aren't actually in San Francisco. And we did it like every week for, for a really long time. It was really interesting because you don't realize the flexibility that Zoom gives you. Yes. And so we would find ourselves talking about recipes and mm-hmm. then bringing bringing out recipe books, holding the camera over the recipe book to talk about particular recipes. We did garden tours of our yards. And so, you know, we've all gotten used to Zoom, but I think we also need to realize that Zoom gives you this flexibility. Zoom, video technology, gives mm-hmm. you this flexibility that we should take advantage of. So showing people technology, like walking them around your library, all that kind of stuff. Awesome to do. I've done it with uh, some some colleagues in Australia to help them get their makerspaces off the ground. Yeah. So it lends itself. Yeah, It's another tool that we now have in our toolkit. Yeah. So thank you, COVID-19, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Well, on that, I think I'm going to go. Okay, but thank you again for taking the time. I know you're busy and this is a big conference. So I appreciate you taking the time to sit and talk to us again. Always glad to see you. Thanks again, Jill. Take care. And welcome back to the Library Pros Podcast. We are here at the New York Library Association Conference with our returning guests, <laughs> Melissa, Cameron, and Barron. So Barron is from the Florida Library, and Cameron and Melissa are, it's Goshen, so, library. Goshen library. Are you still yeah. at the community college too? I am. Okay, yes, so super, let's catch up. We, yes. we didn't get a chance to talk in a couple of years. Yes. What's going on with you guys? Well, it's been quite a ride yeah. <laughs> with everything going on. Actually, I'll let well, I'll let Baron go first since I have like two 
you know, jobs and mm-hmm. a lot of different stories. So sure, I'll go ahead. Ba- I'll let Baron go first. Oh, all right. Thank mm-hmm. you. So, yeah, I work at the Florida Public Library of Florida, New York. It's down by Warwick near the Jersey border. It's a small village, about 5,000 people. Things are going pretty well there. I'm in the process of taking over responsibility for the technology as we have some, uh, a couple of people are leaving. So we're shifting responsibilities around a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'll be handling all the, the computers and things like that, which luckily doesn't take a whole lot given that we're a small library. So that's good. But, uh, I still do a lot with regards to the programming. We've been doing a lot of the, uh, outdoor movies in the parking lot ever since the, the pandemic happened. The uh, Swank Movie Licensing USA license added the exception to allow movies outside instead of having to be inside the library. So that was really helpful when they did that. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, they started that at the beginning of the pandemic. And originally there was like a limited list. And then eventually they just opened it up to all the movies that they had. They just said, send in this form to let us know you're doing it. And if it's one of the rare occasions where we can't let you do it, we'll let you know. Oh, wow. So it worked out pretty well. But yeah, we we do those. The last couple of years for the warmer months, we've been doing it about once a month or so. And then during summer reading, I usually do two of them. Uh, in July. So that that rolls pretty well. And those have been pretty popular that we've done that. We have a library of things. I think we were just getting that started the last time I spoke to you, if I recall correctly. We yeah. expanded that quite a bit. We um, have a wide range of tools. We have some cooking items, uh, cake tins, muffin pans, things like that. We have several video game consoles. We just got a Nintendo Switch not that long ago. So that's been loaning out pretty well. We also have two of the uh, Nintendo Classic consoles, the NES and the SNES Classic, which we had at the start. And then we have an Xbox 360 that nobody really checks out, but it's there. I'm trying to get our Nintendo Wii put in because that's just been sitting in the basement doing nothing. So I figured I might as well loan that out. So I'm in the process of getting that set up. Uh, we have a lot of gardening equipment. We have a portable sewing machine that's gone out pretty pretty well. We have a couple of mobile hotspots from T-Mobile. Somebody wants those. We have a board game collection. Didn't your library also just do a haunted house? Yes, we we did do that. Yeah, we've been trying to maximize the use of our space, given that we are a small library. And this year we did a big uh, haunted house event for Halloween, where effectively it was after the library closed on a Friday. And we basically turned the whole library into a haunted house. We had people come in the side door and directed them down a preset path. We had about eight or ten teen volunteers that were in costumes that were around. For the older kids, they did a little jump scaring. For the younger kids, they just kind of escorted them through. There was all kinds of little fun activities and games they could do. They, you know, they got some candy and treats. That's cool. But other than, like I said, we got the library of things going. We are just barely in the process of signing a contract with an architect to hopefully expand our building. Mm-hmm. So we are working on that, but very, very early stages. It'll probably be a few years before that happens, but there's some ideas launching around. We're going to start reviewing that and figuring out what we can do. That's really cool. Yeah. So a lot of stuff. So Cameron, you just went to a really terrible program. <laughs> it was probably the worst program on the slot. Worst ever. It was horrible. I this fell, guy, Chris, asleep. was there. You know, the, the Allison and, and James were great. This is that guy, Chris, is just I such a slacker. Chris, yeah. I, I don't know why he even bothers. I know. It's 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 <laughs> pathetic, isn't it? It really is. It is. You just go back to Long Island and shut up. <laughs> 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 so we're making reference to a, a program that I just did, along with James Hutter from Port Washington Public Library and Allison Mirabella from Longwood Public Library, both in Suffolk County here in New York. And uh, we were talking about it, basically technologies that we're using and makerspace stuff for 2023. Mm. So, Cameron, what's going on? Well, that program was actually very enjoyable, and I I got a lot out of it. Yeah. So, oh. so did we, because Cameron sent us about 30 text messages while he was in the program detailing what was going on as it was happening. Oh, boy. Because there's a lot I didn't know about, uh, like that, uh, I still forget the name, the one with the cat at the end. Oh, Tinkercad. Tinkercad. Tinkercad is phenomenal. And, tri- and Tricut. 
Oh, cricket, cricket, cricket. cricket. cry cut, cricket. cricket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, honestly, at our in our building, we use we use both every day, multiple mm. times a day. Yeah, I was actually just telling them I was over at the Y at the uh, youth services section meeting, and uh, our uh, system youth services coordinator happened to be there, and she actually asked me and uh, another librarian from our system who was there. She literally actually said to us, "Hey, you know, I'm some extra funds. I'm looking to add some things to the system. What would you guys think if I bought a couple of crickets that would be loanable to different libraries in the system?" And we were like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And, you know, you can actually save money. Instead of buying the Cricket Maker 2, you can buy the Cricket Joy, which is a smaller unit. And it's good because, like I was saying in the program, it supports what you're doing in terms of classes and what you have in-house. So, like, in terms of your system, it makes sense to maybe have a Maker or two and then have um, the Joys because the Joy gives you the, the, the flavor of it. And a lot of people are creating things that are narrow enough that the Joy will work. So, you know, it's one of those things where you got to test it and see if it, you know, you got to put up the flagpole and see if anybody salutes. I can honestly say from from my vantage point, cricket is a home run. We're we're a small library. I don't know if we'd make that. We probably run our CLS as one to try it first. And then if it's something we want to, we'll pursue from there. But I also know that the Newburgh Free Library, which is also in our system, they have one that they loan out as part of their library of things also. So I know I mentioned that to Joanna. She might give that a just to try it out, to get an idea of what she's purchasing before she goes there. But yeah, if our Celeste buys one, we'll definitely give it a shot. And, you know, I, I think if you talk to Michelle about it, Melissa, that Goshen will probably get a lot of use out of it because their children's department is much larger and they do a lot more things over there. So Right. And I'm still right. a senior software engineer. I was working for a company called Technically Creative for about four years. They do regulatory compliance for financial firms. And they just got acquired a few weeks ago. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> By a company called Reveal Brain Space. And they're in the e discovery field. So you know, legal firms need to produce documents for cases and the like. Yeah. So Cameron gets a fun joy of getting to be here, coming home for like a day and then flying immediately out to Chicago for training. Because they're based in Chicago. So I got to meet the team. And we were recruited for expertise in connecting systems together. So they want us to develop what they call connectors, so data in Microsoft Teams and uh, WhatsApp, for instance, uh, OneDrive, SharePoint, collect all that data and be able to feed it into their e-discovery platform. Mm. So, Cameron, I have another question for you with regard to this e-discovery stuff. Is this being, is this being dictated, is this a, 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 a company that's trying to make a new industry standard or is this something that is conforming to what the courts are looking for? Their major play is artificial intelligence. So there are standards already for e-discovery. There's a e-discovery model that describes the general process that I've learned about because I went from knowing nothing about it to knowing a few things in these weeks, <laughs> but their AI is really powerful. They have a solution called Brain Space, which has these amazing visualizations, like a, I think they call it a term wheel, where you can rotate the wheel and then look at related terms based on other terms, and it's kind of narrowing down the documents that are. So they're basically you know, looking for the needle in the haystack, in the haystack. With, with regard to the like boxes yeah. and boxes of discovery. Yeah, they need to know what's responsive, what's not responsive, what's relevant, what's not relevant. So at least it weeds it down, right? It weeds it down. So they need to review those documents, need to 
get those documents, process it in a way that the system can understand. And then there's search indexes that are made so they can search and the AI can process it. And there's models that run and can even help with finding what documents may be relevant. So you can have model training and all that sort of thing. So their their play is AI. Because I'm just thinking in terms of, you know, the old days of sitting in in a conference room and going through every document and looking for, you know, something that may be applicable to what's going on. Um, yeah, that, yeah, it's entirely, you know, on the computer. On oh, the, automated. See, so what do you, you just yeah. scan it? You scan the docs in, pretty much, and then it it processes the documents like based you, upon the parameters. Yeah, if you have a bunch of emails, you have a PST file, you have archives, you feed them in, and then there's a review application, and you assign it to reviewers, and they go through the documents and code them to say what's relevant, what's not. So what used to be manual, what they used to have bait stamps and all the like. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I remember yeah. bait stamping. <laughs> Which I, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. So for, for, I know this is a little inside, inside baseball, but bait stamping in the legal field, they would number, it would literally be like numbering every page, but numbering it in terms of what you received. So like you could say page 3,292 has something in it. So when you separate the documents after they've been bait stamped, you can put them back together again. So if you're creating an exhibit, I know this is like way too inside <laughs> baseball, but. I know who to direct my uh, questions about all our <laughs> legal concerns that we have to learn for. But you have to process all this stuff. And if it's like financial disclosure statements or something, you're looking for that one letter. Sometimes it's not that clear cut, but I'm exactly, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Melissa, you're up. I'm up. (laughs) So I'll start with, with Goshen. Obviously with the shutdown, it was, you know, it was a rough time. I think by the time, the last time I was, we were here, I was still working um, in circulation at Goshen, but I was promoted to reference Mm -hmm. in September, 2020. That's great. So um, I've been in the reference department for almost two years, or actually over two years now. Of course, once we started to reopen, you know, we dealt with, you know, the curbside pickup, making sure everyone was wearing masks and, um, and all that stuff. Um, But since then, you know, we've gotten to back to basically, you know, normal. I've been, you know, adding some programs, like thinking about new program ideas, what to do. We've also been doing outdoor movie nights because we did get a big screen similar to what uh, Barron's doing in Florida. So we're talking about the inflatable screen, Inflatable right? screen, yeah. Right, yeah. They are the best thing ever. Yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun. And, and people seem to really enjoy like those programs, yeah, like that. absolutely. Of course, you know, with the shutdown, you know, when we slowly got back to normal, you know, most of our programs we did move virtually on Zoom. And some of them, we, I mean, we are back to mostly in-person programming. We do still do some virtual programming. Like, for example, last night I actually helped – I didn't actually host it, but I helped plan uh, to somebody I know who actually has his own podcast called Flip the Table Podcast. <laughs> his name is Chris. <laughs> All right. We'll put it in the link. <laughs> so he actually does these very fun virtual game shows and the library actually sponsored it for him to do it and it was a lot of fun but you know he lives in maine and we're in new york Mm -hmm. so you know sometimes we do have people that are interested in doing programs but they don't live in the area kind of thing right so um so sometimes it may be a little more convenient to still do zoom and then you know some other things we do in person like for example i've been doing um i don't know if you've ever heard of jackbox games yes yes so i do that i've been doing that virtually and then baron has resumed his in-person video game club so yeah 
at, so. at Goshen. That's uh, the third Saturday of every month. We mostly just play Nintendo Switch games, Mario Kart, Mario Party, Smash Brothers, things like that. And I, I've still been doing my Im- improv programs. Um, have some other uh, actually, and actually, we just bought a, I guess, like a board game party game version so to speak of wordle so i'm starting a wordle oh, wow. so i'm starting a wordle club i've actually done a wordle club with staff and then i'm doing mm-hmm. one with the public and uh, and i'm also going to be putting together like an anime club too mm-hmm. for like teens and adults who want to right now i'm mostly focusing on uh dragon ball but mm-hmm. uh <laughs> so that was just nick tansy who just walked past so thanks nick for <laughs> saying hi <laughs> <laughs> It's been great. I've gotten a lot of experience in this department. I think it's my degree came to good use. <laughs> it always does. As long if you yeah, look, they can never take it away from you, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then with the community college, I mean, obviously, you know, we had to shut down there too. Mm-hmm. And everyone, we had to like immediately pivot to Zoom, which a lot of people were, were like not familiar with Zoom. Um, I fortunately did have experience with Zoom because I actually did my degree mostly online through Zoom because mm-hmm. we did because you know it was through Syracuse which the iSchool program they actually did synchronous you know pr- uh programs even before Zoom so I mean I, before COVID that experience you know and obviously that was before COVID so that experience helped me adjust to focusing on you know Zoom you know Zoom cuz you know obviously all the classes had moved to Zoom right and we also started to offer one-on-one Zoom sessions you know with students that needed help it was kind of a challenging transition because, you know, um, for a while there, we were, cl- you know, the, the library buildings were closed to the public. You mm-hmm. know, only students could come in. And it, actually, at first, it was if you only had classes on campus, you could come in. You know, it was just a, it was just a slow, you know, transition back to normal. I mean, which I, I mean, I understand, you know, I understand the restrictions, but right, um, right. And then, but since then, um, we are pretty much back to normal. The public can come back now. Um, and basically, if you're a student, whether on campus or virtual, you can still come to the library. We do still offer some hybrid classes and completely virtual classes, but it has mostly gone back to in person. Yeah, so it's been it's been quite a ride. So let me pose it to all three of you. What do you think, and this is in general terms, and I'm not going to ask what you're specifically doing, but in the abstract, what do you think we learned from lockdown? in terms of our facilities and even from doing software engineering that we learned that we're going to retain and what are we happy to be rid of? I'll let you go first, Melissa. So I know a lot of people have gotten Zoom fatigue with Mm -hmm. all this, but I do kind of feel that having Zoom can be helpful. We're also going to be in situations, I mean, yes, I I mean, COVID's still here, but things have been, you know, leaning in the right direction, so to speak. But you may have your re- other reasons why having, you know, virtual options, you know, being helpful. Like, for example, I've had situations like over the winter where if the library closed, program had to be canceled. But actually, for example, one night it was my Jackbox program, but that was already virtual. So you can do that right from home. Or if there, I mean, if depending on the program, if there is a way to pivot to virtual, it's a good, you know, option to have, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's not, you know, for reasons other than a pandemic or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess, you know, again, since I had Zoom experience before the pandemic, I, I just found it, I just found, I, that's just, it's just my opinion. I know a lot of people have, you know, struggled, but I just found it very convenient. So I feel, sure. so I feel like, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, Zoom, which I'm sure, I'm sure Zoom is here to stay, but I just find it very useful. That's just my opinion. But. Mm-hmm. Karen, what do you think? 
Well, I know in software engineering, it's like Pandora's box has been opened and you can't put it, <laughs> you can't close the box. You know, I could work from home a little bit before the pandemic and that was sort of a thing. But now if you want talent to come to your company, you need to offer remote. Nobody wants to, well, very few want to be in person. They want the flexibility. They want the work-life balance. They want to control their schedules. And you know, some companies offer hybrid, maybe three days in the office, two days remote. But if you have no remote component, it's very hard to recruit anyone. I will say that you know, remote isn't amazing all the time. It's harder to make connections. It's harder to be noticed for what you do. It's harder to... But if it's thundering, you could stay home. If it's thundering, you can stay home. <laughs> It's exciting, it's nerve-wracking in some aspects, but I like the benefits of it, definitely. Pose the same question to you, Baron. Yeah. Um, I agree a lot of with, uh, with a lot of what Cameron was saying there, and I've actually sort of been seeing that. Um, as part of our CLS, we do a lot of interlibrary meetings for uh, people in different departments. And one thing we found a lot of is a lot of people for these kinds of meetings really got used to and almost preferred the virtual version rather than the past where everybody, you know, within a three to four county area had to commute to a set location in order to attend these one hour to 90 minute meetings. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people seem to like this better. And at the very least, um, even though the teen librarians meetings, for example, have recently started switching back, they've maintained a hybrid option, and it's actually allowed them to alternate locations. In terms of programming, I agree with what Melissa said. I think that virtual programming is going to stick around. It's not necessarily in every library going to be a major aspect, but it's always going to be there to some extent, either because of weather allowing you to transition that program, if possible, to be able to, uh, to do that. But also, I think with programming, it opens up to an audience that you wouldn't necessarily have. I'm sorry, I just wanted to say, yeah, because with my Jackbox program i have people coming in from canada the same thing with uh my d my D program i don't have anybody from super far away depending on how you look at it but since the beginning one of the members lives up in woodstock which is not super far away but that's still almost an hour's drive to get down to where we are and she wouldn't be able to regularly attend if we didn't have that same thing we just got a couple of new members and one of them's out on staten island mm -hmm. so you know he could zoom in and be part of the D, &D program and not have to worry about driving out there yeah, it's really it, it i i do i agree that you know the the video component the video chat component and all that other stuff i know it's enhanced what we do here at the podcast you know cuz we're able to talk to people from all over the world but even in terms of local people too so like for us i know it sounds kind of silly but you know if we want to do an interview with somebody who's on the north fork of long island it's really a pain in the neck to get up there same thing if we wanted to interview somebody like at new york public Instead of me packing up all my equipment and getting on the train heading into the city, I can just, from our studios at, at the library, we can do it virtually. And then the sound quality actually is really good. Someone you know, I went to school with, she lives down in the Maryland, D.C. area. And at her library, she was doing like these career talks. And, you know, I think she started them, I think, during the pandemic or maybe before the pandemic. I don't know. But but both Cameron and I participated in them. And of course, you know, it was because we were able to do it right over, right over Zoom. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, and then that way, you know, people can, you know, hear from people all over the, you know, the country with their mm -hmm. experience and, you know, their advice. And, you know, it just opened, it just opens up, you know, wider audiences. Yeah. It's, it really is amazing what it can do. Didn't the Goshen Library new building just open the last time we were on here? 
it just yeah it opened a few months prior yeah because it was because so, it was only open for what six months before the pandemic shut like, everything down it was like nine months nine months and so how's that and, been well I, well i'm i keep saying to people that i'm it's it's a it was so good that we got in that building when we did because mm-hmm. if we were still in our previous building it would have been a lot harder to comply with social distancing and all oh, that it would have been and impossible it would have been nearly impossible we probably could have only had like one person in the building at a time yeah, i mean that just yeah. that i mean it would have, it would have been like us down in florida because we only have one office that like five people are normally sharing mm-hmm. and so we ended up having to basically move i got moved out to the public floor in the children's room and that kind of made it a little bit more space. And then somebody that we set up a station in the corner where somebody could sit over there and put somebody back at our lunch table, which is part of that same room, but is a little further away from other people. So we mm-hmm. our um our tech volunteer came in and ran cables for like three more you know, stations to be able to Ethernet into the staff network so people could be spread out a little bit more. Well, this has been great catching up with you guys. Absolutely. Yes, you're like a, a reoccurring guest. I think you're the most yeah. reoccurring guest on the podcast. Oh, so. we're happy to be oh, here. As always. And share yeah. our experiences. Oh, yeah. I want to thank you all for coming on again. It's been thank great. You. Thank you for thank having you for us. Having it's always us. wonderful. It's always a great it's highlight of Nyla for us. Yes. Yeah. We have come to the end of another episode of The Library Pros, and we thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments on this or any episode, click on the Contact Us form on our website, thelibrarypros.com. Visit us on Twitter at The Library Pros and on Facebook at facebook.com slash thelibrarypros. Don't forget to tell a friend or colleague and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to our podcasting engineer, Dean Meyer. Remember, the opinions stated by The Library Pros and their guests are solely those of Chris and Bob and are not those of the Sachin Public Library, the MS Clark Memorial Library, or any other library. See you next time. You've been listening to the Library Pros Podcast. The Library Pros are brought to you by Pippin Productions and by the Library Pros themselves, Krista Christofaro and Bob Johnson. Special thanks to Sachin Public Library for providing space for this podcast. Until the next turn of the page, I'm your announcer, Carlton Welch.